Hello and welcome to episode 59 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Uh, we're back with a full roster, if not somewhat um, battered roster, but there's all four of us here, um, which brings us on to the answer of the first question we received over the week of where is Gareth Dutton? He is sat right here with us tonight. Gref, how are we doing? I'm pretty good, thanks. It's good to be back. How are you? How's the knee? Um, oh, you know, it's just steady. We're getting there. We're getting there. Um, always good to have you back, mate. It was uh, it was not the same without you. Right, so, it, was, it, was, it was good to go bowling. I'm glad you enjoyed a bit of temping. Did you get any strikes or turkeys? Uh, a few strikes, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good, mate. That's good. <laughs> um, we're also joined by Andy, Andy Stafford. Andy, how are we doing today, mate? Uh, very, very tired. Uh, still a bit battered from weekend, but getting there. How are you, sir? Pretty much the same, to be honest, mate. <laughs> battered and tired from the weekend, but you know, we won some silverware, so who really cares? <laughs> and last but not least, we've got the man who's wearing a Quebec Nordiques hat. Um, don't really know why I wanted to point that out, but I just did. So, Dave, how are we doing? <laughs> Bonjour, monsieur. Uh, no, I'm all right, mate. Um, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Oh, I'll about the knee because everyone else asked about the knee. I don't care about your knee. Oh, that's nice. Didn't know about my elbow. My elbows are all right. In, in fairness, mate, I don't think there was any of you that weren't injured. Maybe, maybe you didn't take a face shot. Maybe that was for the best. No, no, that's actually true. I didn't take a face shot this year. That's, that's oh, no. you know, every cloud. Yeah, Graf did, but then that might have just helped his um, front teeth area. But, uh, um, you know, battered bruises, everyone. But, uh, yeah, we've got a plate. Winners. We've got a plate. Woo. Every day we step more and more to being like the Panthers. Um, <laughs> Are you cooking the salmon this week, Joe? Yeah, I think so, mate. I think so. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of hockey to discuss again over the last week. Um, maybe a Steelers fans, not the best of hockey to discuss over the last week, but lots of hockey nonetheless. We've also got a, a special treat for you guys, probably a more difficult one for you to uh, decipher over social media over the last couple of days. Um, but we can now fully reveal that the interview this week will be Luke Fisher, um, media man for the Elite League. Uh, also did a bit of media for Eurovision. So into the summary of this week, Dave, how many points did Sheffield get? <laughs> I'll ban you off of them. No poir. No poir. <laughs> I don't know why we're laughing at that. That is not a good thing for a girl. <laughs> just chasing the title. Because if we don't yeah. laugh, we'll cry. We'll just cry. Exactly yeah. what I was going to say. <laughs> um, so, yeah, other than that, over the week, I mean, Guildford beat Cardiff 6-3, so a bit of a silver lining for the Steelers. Fife beat Sheffield 3-1 in, as we say, a, a bad run of games for the Steelers. Nottingham beat Belfast 4-0 to really heat up the title race. And then completely away from the title race. Well, not maybe not so completely away from the title race to an extent. Coventry beat Glasgow 5-3 to just keep themselves within touching distance as well from that title as well. Um, what are your highlights from the week, gents? Other than winning a plate. I'm going to go kind of like Graf in respect of going as, 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 ex, as expected. Well, you know, um, surprise. Um I'm going to go with goal performance. Uh, a couple of absolute unreal saves from uh, Kevin Carr. Um, one of one of the many reasons what helped the Panthers um, stay within more than just uh, such a distance of the, uh, the title campaign. Um, one against Manchester and the one against Belfast were just pretty outstanding. Um, 
and yeah, I, I'm going to go with that as my highlight of the uh, the week gone by. That's a very formal way to bring that to a close. Well, you know, every every now yeah, and then we have to do things that we have to do things formally, but you know, very true. Andy, Greff. This is where Greff's going to bring it down, isn't it? Well, you know. I mean, that was, I mean, that was the improvement last week. It was an absolute slick performance from the guys last week. We didn't have you. So, you know, you have to bring your A game tonight, mate. Yeah, we know that's not going to happen. I brought my A game on the weekend. <laughs> that you did. Nah, the referee didn't see it going. <laughs> Andy's laughing because he's got experience in that one. Yeah, I've been there many times <laughs> in one game. Uh... World's smallest violin, mate, playing just for you. Griff, sorry, go on, you were saying. Yeah, it, my highlight is going to be Jamie Crooks getting five goals out of out of the six against Cardiff. I mean, three an actual hat trick in the first period. With looking at when the goals were scored by, within eleven minutes of scoring his first goal, he got a hat trick. Against Cardiff, which is going to be probably more than likely going to be against Ben Bounds, that was just crazy. No wonder he's got Player of the Week. Mine has, has to be Danik Gautier and uh, Lenchikov fight, just because Danik Gautier. So, yeah. <laughs> I just love that. Just no further. Danik Gautier. That is all. Um, mine. To be fair, I, I'm I'm bringing the tone down like Andy on this one. We're not going to go with plays. We're not going to go with um, with saves. We're going to go with a fight. Um, Gila Peen versus Matt Pellick. Um, good tilt. To be fair, liked the way that the tilt started as well. Bit of a bit of an awkward play on the boards from Pellick. Um, Nottingham player goes down, whistle blows, and then as Pellick looks up, Lapine's just shedding the gloves at centre ice, and Pellick just sh- sheds the gloves and skates over. Um, the Lino trying to highlight everything that's wrong with the league and that he still tried to get in the middle of it but couldn't, and then obviously the two went for a decent tilt. Um, I'm liking to see how many fights we're getting this year. Still not enough, but we're getting a few more. We'll we'll come on to the counter arguments to that later on, which maybe have been in the bad side of the PR this year, this year, this week. Um, What's someone think of the children though? Will somebody think of the children? I think it's, it's disgraceful that two people can shed the gloves at centre ice and have eight-year-olds standing at the plexi cheering. It's terrible. But no, on a, on a, on a serious point, it was a nice, it was a good tilt. It was a, good, it was a decent fight, and um, it's nice to see fights like that creeping back into the game. So, um, we move on from highlights. We move to, we we could say a sad point. I would probably tilt on the side of it being a happy point. that This will actually be the last airport section of the year. Thank God for that. I don't actually think we've had a single week without an airport section this year. Um, but yeah, the airport section is coming to a close. The transfer deadlines are now gone. Um, so there's nobody else that can be signed in the season. Um, Gref, I'm going to throw it over to you first. Nottingham have had a few blows. Um, do you want to tell us about the latest? Yeah, they've well, they've brought in a guy, uh, another a D man. So I'm guessing that's to replace DeSantis. Hopefully they're not too salty about him. They've got a new player in Jason Binkler, 
he's played two games so far this season. Got two penalty minutes is a minus one. Good start. Be, yep, good start. <laughs> Hopefully, he should be all right for them. I mean, looking at his stats fires, he's played a lot of East Coast games. Played four games this season in the AHL. Managed to get a point. He was a minus one there. Played a fair amount of NCAA games at Ferris State Uni. The, I think the most, yeah, looking at his stats, the most points he put up in one season is 44 points, and that was for the Fort Wayne Comet, the East Coast League. For a five foot ten D man, is at this time of year, that's a pretty good replacement, for what I'd say. You look at his stats, uh, and the one thing that stands out for me is he's very much, apart from a couple of seasons, he's very much in the plus of the plus minus. So, you know, that, that kind of demonstrates the type of game that he has. Um, and like Greff said, it's a good pickup this time of year. Um, given the the blow of losing DeSantis, um, I think they weren't happy with that. Um, but uh, good experience, uh, a bit of HL experience this year. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think. They've, they've balanced the books with that one. Um, maybe on the slight and um, the upgrade, if if we can. So yet another uh, pickup out of nowhere per se in respect from Doucette and uh, Wallace. When everyone was concerned about their their phone book not having many contacts, this looks like someone left field in that respect, but looks very good and, and at least replaces um, DeSantis in that regards. Full stop. So yeah, uh, good business by the Panthers. Looks quite very much a uh, two-way defenseman, uh, quite offensive and defensive as well. Can see him getting quite a few assists this season. Uh, just looking at his, his last seasons, in we've got about twenty, even thirty-seven assists. Uh, when we play for four-way comments, so not bad at all. I think he'll definitely contribute offensively uh, as well as. Helping out at the back end a lot. So, yeah, for me, it's not great on DeSantis. Um, obviously, there's not a lot of games left, but I think in the games that he does play, he'll be he'll be a very good asset to the Panthers. Yeah, Andy, you touched the uh, the exact point that I wanted to make there. Two-way player by the looks. Um, Point-wise, really quite impressive for a D-man. Um, as you guys have said, I mean, 275 games in the ECHL, 127 points, so just under 0.5 points per game in the ECHL. Not bad going for a defenceman. Uh, 161 penalty minutes, so it does look like he, it does look like he um, has a tendency to get stuck into the game as well. Maybe a couple of fights, I'm not entirely sure. I've not looked into that side. Uh, but one of the big things that stands out to me as well is in 275 ECHL games, a plus-minus of plus 41, as we say. Just, just looks to be a strong signing. Um, yeah, Dave. I mean, you you said that it could easily be a, an upgrade on on DeSantis, and I, I don't think you're wrong there. I think well, a guy that's played AHL earlier on in the season. Um, yes, granted it's on loan. Yes, granted it's only four games, but still played AHL earlier this season. So he's obviously got something about his game that's impressed people in, in the higher leagues. Um, not un, it's not unseen for the Panthers to make signings like that straight out of the top leagues. They brought in Chris Stewart late on last season, straight from, um, straight from the AHL, straight from the NHL that they signed Chris Stewart. From the AHL, I think. Remember says so, that. So, yeah, 
so yeah, not not you know another good signing. Certainly looks as you say, Dave. The um, we were questioning the phone book of uh, of Drusset and the phone book of Wallace. Currently, it looks like um, Schoenem has left his phone book on the iCloud, and they've managed to pick that up because I don't know where they picked this one from. Um, but yeah, another good signing for the Panthers. Um, Andy, do you want to tell us about the blow that they've had following that decent signing? Yeah, and to be honest, quite a big blow. Uh, and that is that they have lost Brett Bulmer, who obviously last season played for five, did a very good job there, comes to Nottingham, done a fantastic job so far. He's had 21 points in 32 games. Massive loss to the Panthers. Uh, from what I hear, was a pretty big crowd favourite there. And my understanding is that he has left because of these issues, um, which could possibly link into the DeSantis uh, leaving as well. It, it it does make you wonder why wasn't his visa extend, uh, extended to the right time of the league, you know, before finishing. So I don't understand why, you know, they've just not, I don't know, just submitted it for as long as it probably should have been. It's a very strange one, uh, but Yasin signed for uh, Freiburg in the DL2. He hasn't played it. He hasn't played a game yet, so we'll have to see how he does there. But yeah, a very big loss of Panthers. Is it possible that we could have had a player leave due to Brexit? Because you looked I, at the release. I that, doubt that, that, it. He's Canadian, so, he's not got any European passport, so he, he would. I, so, I doubt so, he's got so any. The, so the question that's what I'm kind of asking, and I appreciate it's probably a long shot, but to be able to go to a German team who's in within the EU, um, <clears throat> is possible. I don't know. It just it was very strange when they said it was due to the visa. Now it's either two, one or two things. It's the the extreme version, like it could be in the Brexit, or probably more, you know maybe something went right, maybe some information went accurate. Um, maybe I don't know. Maybe he was classed as an unskilled worker. Who knows? Um, but it's very. It was a very strange PR that was put out by the Panthers as to why he had to leave. Um, and he was a very slow starter. But once he got going, like I said, bit of a fan's favourite. Um, and you know he's uh, jumped on the team. He's with uh, Luke Piffer, who played for the Panthers last year. So, you know, someone else he knows from the league from his time when obviously he was in five. Panthers have got enough um, forward power. Uh, I think they will not be too uh, disarmed with the Bournemouth leaving. Um, But I do think it was very much out of the blue. I, I don't think this was a prepared departure in any way, shape or form. So... Let's see, the, the, the talk of hoping to get the visa issue sorted so he could come back next year. But who knows? Maybe he gets comfortable in Germany. I don't know. Yeah, it, just it a, just seemed pretty... Sorry. sorry. No, no, go on. I was going to say, it just seemed very strange with the, with the Pashley saying that they had, they had issues with him being able to stay and, stay and work in the UK for the remainder of the season. That was a pretty strange one. You don't really see that often in this league. I don't think I've no. seen that like, ever. 
great. I don't think either. I don't recall. And the only thing that's why I mentioned Brexit was because normally you'd get the work permit, and obviously he wouldn't need to get work permit on previous rules. But he wouldn't. Like, but he would have needed know. a work permit anyway. Being a being a, an American or a Canadian, it was this. It, it was different rules for your EU passport holders in comparison to North American and Canadian passport holders. Because that's why, if you remember, when they brought when they when they decreased or increased the import quota, you were allowed um, to whatever, however many imports you were allowed, and then you were allowed to EU passport holders as well. Because EU passport holders didn't technically need a work visa to work in the the UK. But I don't I, I don't know I don't know the ins and outs of it. I'm not saying it can't be. I'm just saying I don't I don't see how it could have been. But who knows? Maybe it's been like a slight error when they were signing him. So they only thought, oh yeah, we'll only need him up until February time. Because after the Country Cup final, probably not thinking, oh yeah, we will be in, we'll be shot of the title by February, considering the start of the season they had. Yeah. The only other player that I've ever heard of of having visa issues like that will... Visa issues to the extent of having to leave, or well, actually, visa issues to the extent of not being able to to come in the first place, which is Mike Danton for Coventry. But that was because he was um, in prison for conspiracy to commit murder. So, you know, fair, very, very fair reason not to go. Spectrum. Well, yeah, I mean, you'd certainly not get into America if it was the other way around. So, yeah, you kind of, yeah, yeah, fair reason for him not to. But yeah, very different end of the spectrum. But uh, it's a big loss for Nottingham, to be fair. Um, he got on the wrong side of Dops a few times. Um, he was actually, memory serves me right, the reason that Brendan Connolly didn't play out in Slovakia last year. Um, Neon knee collision with, Con- with Connolly at the end of last season when Connolly was playing for Glasgow. Um, he received a ban for that. And then in his first game back from the ban for that knee, he ended up kneeing Nikolai Lemtigov and getting a two-match ban uh, in the... Panthers Steelers game on the first of September, uh, so got on the wrong side of Dops a couple of times, but 21 points from 32 games for a decent Nottingham team once they got going. Uh, Fife the previous season he put up for 57 in 57, so you know he knows how to score goals and how to how to put up the points in this league. And um, again, I mean I said about Desantis, Nottingham are on a decent run right now, and they need to make sure. That losing DeSantis and now that losing Bulmer doesn't affect the rest of their season. As a Steelers fan, I kind of hope it does. But if they're going to get the run that they need, and to be fair, I would actually put them in one of the front-running seats now for that league title. They've they've got the momentum behind them, um, and it'd almost be a bit of a a, a lesson down St. Louis Blues Stanley Cup story in 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 the fact that they had fans boycotting games earlier on in the season due to poor performance, and then to go on and have the run that they have. Uh, so they just need to make sure that it doesn't affect them too much. Um, they obviously can't bring anybody in now unless they've already put pen to paper before the Monday. Is it Monday just gone? Monday, Monday just gone, yeah. Yeah, so unless he's put pen to paper before the Monday just gone, they obviously can't bring anybody else in. Um, maybe another thing that Andy said last last week, you know, maybe another opening for some of, some of the younger Brits to come in um, that they've already got on their roster. Who knows? Um, but yeah, just a strange one. Um, 
Anybody got anything else, anything else to add on Bulmer no. and Binkley? We're good to move. So the last one that we've got I'm going to throw over to Dave. Uh, we've got a new goaltender, mate. We have. And you hear the name and you'll not think of the person, but you think you know, we'll go straight through. The Steelers have signed Jeremy Brodeur. And if you're thinking, hmm, Marty Brodeur? Yes, this is the offspring of Marty Brodeur. Um, signed... Did Jimmy was going to go, no. Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll go, we'll go nice on this one. Um, he signed from uh, Hockey Club Budapest. Um, who he's, he's had it actually a pretty decent season, and stats-wise, he started at uh, Perori Riverman, uh, 1.85 goals against with a 94.4 save percentage. And in the Erste League, 12 games, that was over six games with Perorius. Uh, Budapest, 12 games, uh, 1.58 with a 91.5 save percentage. Um his stats are looking like somewhat... He's, he's won at the CHL, the junior level, uh, Royal Cup champion. Um, and he, he looks like someone who's on, on his way, on his journey, becoming a goalie, getting experience, going abroad and, and making his, his own. Um, because with a surname like that, that's one heck of a lot of baggage to carry. Um, from a Sheffield perspective similar no idea in terms of the amount and, and the, the impact but Cole Schulger with Ron um, but in all fairness as Jeremy's growing up as a goalie there's not that's not a bad person to kind of go what do you reckon to this what do you reckon to that and to chew the fat over being a goalie um, how do you score goalie goals exactly yeah um, you know when, when, you, when your old man's a NHL Hall of Famer it's not too bad at all but the key most wins as a goalie in the NHL yeah, but Jeremy is, is he has stats that suggest he can do something, you know, could have a very good career. Um, and I think him going to Europe now because he was he, he had a stint at Binghamton last year, uh, the AHL, and I think him going away is his attempt of trying to break the shackle of the Brodeur surname. Uh, and be himself and known as himself and not just the son of Martin. Um, in terms of actual signing for Sheffield, I think it's a decent signing. Um, I think um, it's uh, someone who's going to give Duba the sufficient support. Um, this is the most games Duba's ever played this season. So someone who can, you know, okay, there's 10 games left. If he can play four games, which sounds a bit daft as to why he'd bring him across, but if he can get four games and give Duba the rest, potentially save Duba for the bigger games, the, the playoff stretch, and actually do to Duba what I'm not sure Khan is able to do to Ben Baums. So I, I think this is a what, good give sign. him goalie coaching from Martin Brodeur. <laughs> I, I'm actually going down the rest route, but you know we can go down that line as well. Um, but I, I, overall, I, I think this is a decent signing. It's not, you know, oh god, it's another, you know, that level standard of, of net mining. But I think it's a good, I think it's a decent signing, um, and I think will serve Duba very well. Yep, yeah, looking at his, looking at his playing career so far, he looks pretty. Easy. I mean, he's had a very good junior career in Canada. With the Oshawa Generals, uh, and he obviously he looks like he's like bounced about a bit in the East Coast League, been on loan in the AHL, 
then going over to Budapest, playing 12 games, 1.58 goals against average. And you're not actually playing, like, some terrible hockey players in that league. You're actually playing some really decent hockey players. It's quite... For you guys, that's going to be really good. I mean, that you were mentioning with Duba playing so many games. He's played, what, 52 games so far, league and in cup-wise. And considering you're in, like, what, your last stretch now, you're fighting for a title. You've got Challenge Cup final coming up, possible playoffs as well, final weekend coming up. It will help Duba massively. The only thing I can think of is you're going from Budapest to Sheffield. As much as I do love coming over to Sheffield to you guys, Budapest will win all day, every day. The only thing that's probably tempted to leave Budapest is he's probably had too much of that drink. A horrible drink. It makes sense. And we'll leave that now. <laughs> Last season wasn't a good one for him. I think, you know, he's, he's looking to he's really looking to bounce back from that and in a way he ha- he has and hasn't uh, obviously playing with Peoria and then Budapest and then now Steelers. I think his his stats have improved a lot. Just like you know, it, it is his third team now. But you look beyond or, or or before last season and his stats in the ECHL and OHL. Uh, fairly similar save percentage to Kevin Carr. So maybe there's a few similarities there between them both. Um, Carr, obviously, a very good goalie. Um, in terms of Broder, he's, he's not played a lot of games recently. Um, I think that possibly could hinder him a little bit. But like Dave said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put, put Broder in for the big games. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd use it as, as a rest period for Duba. Uh, and just see where it goes from there. But yeah, at this time of the year, it's a very decent signing. And, you know, being it one of the greatest NHL goalie sons, you know, it's made it quite quite more of a big big deal in terms of exposure. You know, I'm pretty sure there's like a post from Complete Complete Hockey News or something like that that's going around Facebook of it, of them sharing and and the... um, the news of the signing from Steelers, so yeah, it's good exposure as well. Um, hopefully, you know, you know, he'll be able to stick around next season. He's, he's only 23 years old, so still a lot of time for him to, to develop and, uh, and and get better. So yeah, it's a good overall signing. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing to say from this one is uh, is Will Curling make friends? Uh, <laughs> the, uh, yes, a goalie the age of Curling. You know, with the uh, opportunity to make friends with Martin Brodier's son, get yourself an invite over there in the summer sunshine. Get yourself a bit of coaching from his dad. Um, but no, on a serious note, I mean, uh, yeah, Andy, you're not the nail on the head. Uh, 21 games last season. You know, you go in sub 90% on his save percentage every time. You go in over four goals against average in those 21 games. So it's not great, but. I mean, the 91.5% save percentage, 1.58 goals against in, in the Erste Liga this year. 
um, you know, 94.4% and 1.85 goals against in um, in the SPHL in six games. So, you know, he's, he's not had a bad season this year. Maybe they don't. Maybe at least the SPHL doesn't match up to the to the elite league. But at the same time, you know, a lot a, a big thing with a goalie is confidence. In addition to the ability, any goalie will tell you that one of the other big things with a goalie is confidence. He's got to keep his head in the game. You know, you see a lot of the time the times when goalies start to teeter off the edge and start to go down in terms of of how they're playing. It's a lot of the time when the head goes down, the head goes out of the game. You know, so regardless of league, ninety four, you know, ninety four percent save percentage, ninety one percent save percentage, roughly one point five goals against. No, not bad going for a foundation to to continue for the rest of the season. Um. My only concern with this, in, in a sense, is it may put us in a little bit of an awkward situation like Nottingham were in when they had um, was it Patrick Galbraith and who was the, was it was it, in fact was it who did they have in net with Galbraith was it Carr wasn't Carr no, Carr brought was, in the season um, it was last it was last year's goalie oh was it name I can't Munson no Munson Munson or was it the year before but Munson was one of the goalies. I can't remember who it was. I'll search it while I'm while I'm still talking. Um, one of the issues that they had, and actually I I would have kept Galbraith over whoever the other the other goalie was. Um, you know, whenever whenever we saw him play, he played he played a good game. Uh, it was Garnet. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Garnet Munson was brought in as the second import with Garnet. So in the 2017-18 season, they had Garnet and they had Patrick Galbraith. And one of the things that they had, particularly around playoffs, and I remember this in the, when we played them in the semi-final game on the, in the playoff finals weekend, um, they started one and then ended up putting in the other part way through the game. And and it was just one of those where it was kind of, you know, you've got a decision to make, particularly heading into playoffs. You need to decide, are we going to highball it? Are we going to put in as, as, as strong goalie first and then put in his weaker goalie? Are we going to put a strong goalie in and then play him again when he's a bit more tired? It just gives you, it's almost that embarrassment of riches where you've got a decision to make as to which way around you play it. Um, but Duba's, what, 38 years old now? Ever, ever the, the chances of ever, ever, ever and ever increasing that he could pick up an injury. And at this point in the season, that is the one thing that Sheffield can't afford. Maybe Duba hasn't been at his best over the last couple of games, but Duba has been a clutch player for the Steelers over the last 20 games. When the Steelers haven't been playing as well as a team, Duba is the reason that they've managed to claw their way back into it because he's managed to backstop them and he's managed to put a stop on the goals that were going in the back of their net. And there were a fair few games where the Steelers weren't playing at the level that they should have been playing at and Duba's kept them in that game for the two periods for the Steelers to then step in the third and pull some goals back. So they can't afford for Duba to get injured and bringing, bringing in Brogeur just kind of brings in that bit of safety just in case he does, he, you know, just in case he does get a knock. Um, moving on from that, I mean, the, the, the last thing that we've got before we head over to the interview that I've got down on here is, is Maybe a bit of a sore subject to bring up as a as a Steelers fan now, but it's uh, it's the title race, um, because that has certainly heated up over the last couple of weeks. Um, 
I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm just going to let whoever wants to talk talk first because that is, you know, it's nice and open ended. I think the title race is somehow gone from a solid four horses to four and three quarters. When I say that, I think the Coverage Blaze are just on the coattails and not far off being fully in the race, um, which you would not have expected at the beginning of the season, truth be told. Um, so good job done by uh, by Danny Stewart in commentary. Uh, in, in terms of Sheffield, bad weekend, dropping points against Dundee and Fife. Horrific. Yeah. Horrific. Um, you know, has put a dent in the title race per se. I'll come back to that in a moment. Cardiff dropped points to Guildford. Guildford's their bogey team um, for some bizarre reason. Um, Nottingham took all the points. And when I said per se in terms of dropping the points, every team has been dropping points all season. Not one team, even to this point, and we're now near the end of February, has actually been consistent enough to go, this is my league title. And even now, I don't think you can go with confidence they're going to win the title. Because I say next weekend, let's just say, sorry, let's just say even Sheffield beat Nottingham and Belfast. Let's say Cardiff dropped points against Guildford and Coventry. You know, Cardiff, after beating just five uh, last night, are now back to square one. Or with less games. So you, you drop a point, even now, Every game is now huge. Every game, in essence, for them four teams, is a game seven. If they let's say let's say Sheffield win the next four games, and other teams drop points as in Nottingham, Cardiff, and Belfast, the talk over last week of because Sheffield dropped the points against Sunday Five goes, and you're back to that point where Sheffield had a, a, a fair lead, but with less games to play. So. We've said already a number of times on the, on previous podcasts it's going to be an exciting roller coaster, and this weekend gone, and the next weekend just backs it up, and it's exciting. That's the one thing you definitely can't say it's not. It's it's, it's not dull. It will be exciting to the very end, and I think, unfortunately for everybody, all four teams, I think it probably end up being decided on the very last game of the season. I mean, that'll be an interesting end of the season with you guys playing Cardiff at home. I mean, looking at the table at the moment, I looking back at it, like say, like and start of December, I probably would have said it would have been a three-horse race or two by this point. And then you look at the table now and you think, one minute, there's like, between first and fourth, there's three points with teams having games in hand on Sheffield. But obviously, you'd rather have the points than the games in hand, just in case you lose them. And then, it's just, we're probably now, what, seven points behind first few more slip-ups, they can be in it. It's going to be a, a really good showcase of how good the league's becoming over the past couple of years. Not a team, not one team can run away with it now, which makes for better hockey. Yeah. Uh, 
from a Steelers perspective, there's a few there's a few holes in that boat now, isn't there? That everyone was saying with the smash the league, but uh, yeah, it it makes a lot better hockey. I'll, I'll be honest with you, having four even five teams now in it, it makes it a lot, a lot more a lot more interesting. Um, but again, this is my argument. If I was in Steelers' position, would I rather have, you know, games at hand, or would I rather have, you know, less games to play? And mine still definitely will be having games in hand because Steelers have, have got to rely on winning all their games to guarantee, you know, to guarantee winning that league. So it's more pressure on them, I'd, I'd say. But yeah, looking at five. Last five games form for all teams. You know you got Coventry, they've got nine points from five. Uh, Nottingham again nine points from five. Belfast six points from five. Cardiff six points from five. Uh, and you got Sheffield only two points from five games. So it's not been a great, great stretch for them recently. Uh, one thing to point out is uh, Belfast. In last five games they've only only scored nine goals. But on the other end of that, they've only allowed eight goals. So quite a, uh, you know, quite a contrast there. But that, that that's that could be a good thing, you know. Uh, not it's not bad. Five games and only conceding eight goals. That's pretty good going. So yeah, it's all to play for in the, in the last ten games, and uh, certainly makes it very interesting. Certainly does. Almost um, up until recent form has taken a huge dip, as Dave will be the first person to say. That the the, the goals against and goals for for Belfast are almost very um, very Islanders esque. Um, you know, minimal goals scored but less conceded. That that was that's basically how's that their tagline for last season. Um, I mean, it didn't work out in playoffs, but it did what it needed to do. You give you beat us, that's fine. Um, but you know, it it, it didn't. It was never going to get the distance in an NHL uh, NHL style playoff. In the way that it works in the in the elite league, all you need to do is win a couple of games. To, particularly playoff wise, all you need to do is win a couple of games. Um, you know, league wise, it's anybody's game here. You've got to play the long run. And um, to be fair, it's exactly what everybody's been doing. Uh, I mean, ultimately, whoever thought? I mean, looking at last season alone, whoever thought at this point in the season? Half of the league would be in touching distance of a league a league title. Half the league, that's insane. Um, I mean, the top five teams at 65 percent with uh, points percent, 68 percent, 65 percent, 63 and 60. They're the top for the top five teams in the league. Um, and to be fair, Guildford are only 56, but you know I, I would I'd, I'd, it's too stretch too far. Um, but there are 10 points between sixth and first. That's when's the last time that we've seen a league like that? It's been a long time, and it's been something that a lot of people wanted. They wanted a close league, and they've very much got it. But I'm going to throw this to you guys. I think that one team benefits from Coventry joining the party at this late stage, and I think that's Sheffield, because Coventry will think that if they keep on winning and they keep on with the form, they've got a chance. If they play Cardiff, they've got Belfast. And I think they've got Nottingham in the next two weeks. 
They they currently into the last week. So the, the second to last week they've got Cardiff. Um, I know they've got, got Cardiff on Sunday, but what I'm, the point is, I'm, I'm hoping I'm making. They they still think the mentality: if we win these games, we've we've got a chance. And they're taking the points off two, three, and four. It actually ends up having less pressure on Sheffield. Pressure's still up there, but actually may not be as much. So it, it adds to the the excitement of the title race. You got the two races, you got the playoff race, but the title race we've not had for a long time. And even if Sheffield don't win it, tell you something, anybody who was a fan of the teams that are involved in the race have been entertained, and it's been exciting. Yeah, bottom line. I mean, look at the run-ins for, for all the teams. I mean, that last weekend, Coventry have got Belfast, Steelers play Cardiff. Granted, not going have got Glasgow, but Glasgow, you know, if they can find a form that they found early season, could be a threat. Um, you know, the Saturday, Steelers have got Manchester, will be fighting for the playoff spot. Coventry have got Fife, which you would think would be an easy game. Nottingham have got Dundee, who will also be fighting for that playoff spot. And Cardiff have got Belfast. You know, that's that's just the last weekend. I mean, that's a horrific run-in for Cardiff. And it, Cardiff have a game on the Wednesday as well, don't they? Yeah, they play Glasgow on the Wednesday as well. So again, Is that, home, Glasgow, is that home or away? Uh, it's, it's away. It's in Glasgow. Oh. So that, that week, they play Glasgow in Glasgow on the Wednesday. They play Belfast in Cardiff on the Saturday, and then they play Sheffield in Sheffield on the on the Sunday. It's a horrendous running, particularly awful. again as as we've seen the form that Glasgow can find, and Glasgow are also going to be another team. They're currently on equal points with Manchester, one point above Dundee, above that playoff line. So they're going to be fighting for that playoff spot. So this the running is insane. It's it's. I don't think I've ever seen a run-in where you look at it and go, like, this is just, it's anybody's game. Even at, even after two points in five games, even in, even after one win in five, and Sheffield are still in with a run, because, you know, all all that needs to happen is for a couple of those teams to lose games. You know, you would think that Cardiff, Belfast, Nottingham would be taking points off each other. I can't see it being a straight race of one of them getting all the points. It'd be a rarity for the rest of the season. And what Sheffield have to advantage, they've already done the tough away game and home against Belfast when they beat Cardiff. So they've already shown that they're able to do it. Yeah. Now they need more than ever for their own title aspirations. And I'd say that regardless of team, it's not just because of Sheffield, it's a bigger, bigger time to do it again. And if they can do it again, I think that starts to slowly put their marker a bit more. Because I think the games in hand may be a bit of a red herring. Because if, if Cardiff, we've said it before, if Cardiff can do something with the games in hand or Nottingham, then you just tip your cap and go fail, fair play. I just, I just can't see it. Yeah. I think because of the running, they're going to be dropping points. I mean, it's a bit of a catch-22. I'm kind of, I'm with you and I'm also with Andy on the argument. I think on one side, I'd rather have points on the board than points in hand. But like Andy said, you've then got the flip side argument that Sheffield are very much resting their fate in somebody else's hands. It's very much out of their control. I mean, you take into account the fact they play Cardiff a couple of times. So it's realistically more in their control than it would seem when you start saying games in hand. But you're still relying on Cardiff to drop some games. You know, it's very much out of their control. But at the same time, again, 
having so many games in hand at this stage of the season means one thing. You're playing three games a week pretty much for the rest of the running. So if we do that the last two weeks of the season? Yeah. Uh, and I'm, and maybe because of being a cricket player, it's always runs on the board. That The pressure will tell um, the other teams. It'll be like last 10 over pressure. And that's when the mistakes will kick in and we'll see where Monty ends up. We certainly will. Sure. Looking at the fixtures for Cardiff, from the 1st of, Mar- of March, they've got a game on the 1st of March, game on the 6th, game on the 8th, game on the 14th, 15th, 18th, 21st, 22nd, 25th, 28th and 29th. That's a lot of games. That includes the Challenge Cup final as well. That is a lot of games. That is... <sighs> you go flip side... Sheffield have got 1st, 6th, 8th, 14th, 21st, 22nd, 29th. Yeah. That's considerably less than Cardiff have got. And Cardiff's games are not easy either. So it's anybody's game. It really, really is anybody's game. They've got you guys three times at least. Got Belfast, got ourselves, got Nottingham, got Coventry, Guildford yeah. as well. That's Say, I, I think the the weekend of the sixth of March, I think that will be more than significant because ignoring the Challenge Cup final to a side, but I think that league game, I think that is is so huge. I don't think we've had a bigger game in the league for some time I think that one will really be the marker says right this is where things are going yeah the, the thing is there's 10 teams in the league none of them are really out of any playing picture at the moment no. they've all got something I mean even even Fife who have, have had a notoriously bad run of form over the last couple of months they've started to pick the game up they beat Sheffield they took Cardiff down to a goal in the last 40 seconds yesterday Granted, Cardiff absolutely hammered him and Adam Morrison was the saving grace for the Flyers in that game. But you win games by hook or by crook. It don't don't matter. It don't matter who is the reason. As I I said earlier, Thomas Duber is a a huge reason that Sheffield have won some of the games that they've won this this season. So it's okay saying, oh yeah, well, it's Morrison that kept him in the Cardiff game. It don't matter. Points are points. And they were a goal away from beating Cardiff in Cardiff. Ultimately, the six points behind Dundee. Yes, they've got two extra games that are played, but they're six got the six points behind Dundee. That's three wins. You know, so every team has something to play for. So there isn't a single game that you can play going into the run into the end of the season. There's not a single game that you can play that's safe. Every single game has something to play for. Anybody got anything else to add on the title race? Anyway, it's been an interesting uh, couple of weeks for the development of that one, but I think certainly a watch this space. I don't, I don't know who you'd good money on the table now, boys. You go into Ladbrokes tomorrow. You've got a tenner. You've got to put it on one team to win the league. Who does it go on? Sheffield. Never seen Dave move his like make so many facial expressions before he's come out with an answer on that one. I, I think I, I think Cardiff's game schedule 
it's gonna back I use the word backfire probably the wrong word, but I don't think it's gonna help them at all. I think that's where if they if they had a similar schedule to what Sheffield had, I'd be saying Cardiff. But yeah. I think I think the schedule's gonna be the one that really hurts them. You've got a goalie that's trying to get to his own standard, um, the form that he wants, especially going into the world champs, um, but also the, the attempt at three peat in the playoffs. Um and this, this, they're going to start scrapping for results. They're going to start scrapping for points. And when they start dropping points, which I, I do think they will, I'd, I'd be surprised if they don't, if they go from now to the end of the season not drop a point. Um, so when they do, I think that's when they're going to start seeing a few questions, a few more chinks in the armour. Um, a snowball effect once they start dropping yeah, games that running. I think in this batch of the season now, once I think let's say they pick up one point next weekend. I think that's where you'll start seeing a few, and especially within the fan base who've gone from being very uh, high and mighty to attempt at being humble to back to being high and mighty. They've, they've fluctuated badly this year more than ever. Um, I think they'll, you'll see a few chinks in the arm. Nottingham, I think Nottingham could potentially be the team that could challenge Sheffield. In the scenario that I'm thinking that Sheffield win the league title, I think Nottingham will be the team that could challenge them the most. Um, but I th- again, I think they will... Uh, I think... Maybe a, a lack of experience, and this is not a bad thing when I say it about with with Tim Wilson and, and winning stuff and and being in long you know good stints at winning silverware. I think that could harm. Um, but they've done a cracky job given the start of the season they had. Um, and I think Coventry will just make, they'll be the cat amongst the pigeons and just take stuff off people. And that's what that's why I'm going to go Sheffield. That's my my tenor Ladbrokes Sheffield. You might not go on Nottingham. With the form they're in at the moment, I think they'll they'll push you guys to the the very end, and I think it might just be that like one point I'll just win it for them. I mean they've got back to back games with Belfast, so that's going to be a a tough game. For them, they've got Cardiff twice as well. Well, yeah, twice, and they've got Coventry as well. So it's it'll be tough for them, but I think possibly Panthers. I mean, I'd rather go and spend it on, like, McDonald's or something, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> on a Donna Chip and Cheese wrap at Bensham Chippy. Uh-huh. Oh. oh, to take me back to Gateshead just for that chippy. <laughs> Not the red cabbage. Not the red cabbage. <laughs> See, hold on, let's put this out there. If anybody has ever had a kebab... Where they have actively liked having red cabbage and onion on a don was it donner or chicken? It it was a it was a, it was a kebab. I think it was a mix. I think it was donner and chicken. I think I went for the mixed version. But yeah, if, if you if you if you enjoy that type of stuff, let us know so we can know that you walk amongst us. I've I've <laughs> never seen Dave look so I'm, to be no I've never seen anybody look so confused as unwrapping a kebab. He literally like unwraps this. It was quite a badly packed kebab. It was it was it was kind of falling out of the wrapping. But I've never seen I've never seen anybody unwrap a kebab and just go, why is the red cabbage? And just the look on his face was just sheer shell shock at the red cabbage on this kebab. It, it was a combination of shell shock and disgust. How was it? How was it? Was it all right? Yeah, it weren't too bad. Fair play. We we veered significantly. Anyway, back to the podcast. <laughs> so Dave says Sheffield, Gref says Nottingham. Andy, where's your tenor going? Uh, I'm the same, but as Gref, Nottingham. 
Affleck and Pippet. Uh, again, the format they're in is really good. They've got players who, who can really, really step up and uh, they've got some experience there. You know, Sam Hare's on top form, Kevin Carr's on top form, Matheson's on top form. You know, they've got players across in, in all. Santis is on top. Oh, sorry. Apart from him. He's <laughs> um, got players in, in, in all sorts in all positions that are, that are quite on form at the minute. And I think having, uh, you know, fresh, fresh players in like, like, like Binkley and, and, and that, I think that's going to give them a, a bit more, you know, fresh bodies in, uh, to sort of just, just keep the ball rolling, to be honest with you. And, um, yeah, they're definitely, definitely for me going to, going to just, just pip it, even if it's, you know, by one point, I think they could definitely do it. Yeah, to be fair, like, I'd be I'd be also putting a tenner on on Nottingham if it was any. Um, I can't see Sheffield getting the points against Nottingham on Saturday, going into a game against Nottingham in Nottingham on a losing streak of four. Um, I just can't see it happening. Cardiff, I think that running's going to kill them. Belfast got a lot of games against the top the, the top teams. They got Bel they got Cardiff. They got Nottingham. I think they got Coventry. Um, I just I just can't see it with them. I I think they've had some shaky games. Four 0 lost to the Panthers wasn't a good result. I think Shane Owen hasn't been the best at times. I think he's he's been quite inconsistent. He's either been very good or or very shaky. Um, you know they've got the likes of Pellet getting him get taking unnecessary penalties at times, and that's cost them at times. Look at the look at the Sheffield game where he got himself kicked out. Justly or like rightly or wrongly, in terms of the call, he still put himself in that position. He went for, he made a beeline off play and, and made that hit. You know, you, you've got to, as a team, they've got to start making some smarter choices and they've got to start finding some some consistent form. But a five a four nil loss against the Panthers the other day was wasn't a good start. Um, Coventry think it's just a stretch too far. Um, I could see him being up second or third. Could see him putting. Maybe Sheffield, maybe Cardiff out of the picture, maybe Belfast, um, but Nottingham. I just think I think they're the hot team right now, and I think they probably got the best running out of the five, four at least. So, who knows? Um, yeah, title race over. We we happy with we happy with that. Happy to wrap up on that one. Yep. Um, so we now throw it over to the interview. Um, don't see, don't think I saw anybody guess it correctly that being Luke Fisher. Um, it would have surprised me if anybody did, to be fair. Um, it's not quite like the likes of, say, Aaron Murphy that you see on, on three sports every time there's a game or Dean Woolley with the um, the signature beard. Um, you know, it was, was a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit more subtle, I guess, with the picture. So, but yeah, Luke Fisher, uh, media man for the Elite League, um, so yeah, Dave, the decent interview. How, how you know I've listened to it. it seemed to seem to all flow quite nicely. It was it was a good interview. Um, interesting insight into some of the workings of the league in, in respects of what, what you'll hear. Um, and someone who, from a very strange background, making his way from the UK into Europe and, and going full circle back in the UK. Yeah, um, I mean, on that note, we'll, we'll throw it over to the interview with Luke Fisher. And, um, yeah, we'll put that on now. 
So the, the final uh, from the um, qualifying round, and this is a couple of days uh, late due to unforeseen circumstances, but I'm delighted to say that we have the, the media manager for the Elite League, uh, Luke Fisher, uh, online. Luke, thank you very much for giving your time. Oh, hi, no problem. Sorry we couldn't do it on Sunday, but I'm afraid the storm got the better of me and I couldn't quite make it up to Nottingham. No, it's, uh, it had, did prevent a fair few people going to Nottingham. So, uh, and as, we, as we're now talking Tuesday, not the best result, so uh, maybe not a bad thing. Um, but uh, we'll go on to that later on. So for those who don't know you, um, just a bit of background in terms of where you are and where you've been with hockey. Okay, so um, I grew up in North Kent, so like... Raynham, Rochester area, uh, watching Medway, then slash Invicta as it became uh, in, I guess, what's the, been the third level, semi-pro level of, of English hockey for uh, for quite some time. So I grew up watching that through my childhood and uh, used to do things like game reports and sell programs and stuff there for the team. Um, and then uh, I went to uni, did all of that stuff. And my first, after the first job I had, I actually then started working for Eurovision. So I worked on the Junior Eurovision Song Contest and uh, a couple of other classical tournament uh, competitions, doing web and social media things. Uh, and then um, through that, I moved on to working for a company uh, which has a contract to do web and social media for the Champions Hockey League. So uh, I have been doing that since very late in the first season in 2014-15. Um, and then gradually have started doing more hockey things with that and some statistics things and uh, have eventually ended up almost coming a bit full circle now uh, in the UK. So, so you mentioned the, the digital side of things, and that's where you've kind of been your niche tapping. So um, what, what got it that, what, sorry, what part of digital media got you interested in made you want to kind of develop it further and, and be as in the role that you're doing now? Um, it was actually through the Eurovision things, actually. I... Uh... I used to run a, a fan website that is still going, but it became one of the biggest things uh, online that isn't the official website of the Eurovision Song Contest. And there is a really large Eurovision community that follows it throughout the entire year, which people probably don't realize. But, you know, I used to just go off to Switzerland at the weekend and watch them choose their song and things like that uh, among various places. So it was that. And I, so I've always enjoyed that and sort of live coverage of stuff and just doing that. And then it, um, in my first job after uni, which was completely unrelated to sports or, or entertainment, I was doing kind of a digital marketing role. So I've always been interested in that, even though it has nothing to do with what I did my degree in. But uh, it's always been something I've liked doing. Oh, fair. Sounds just so interesting. I weren't aware that it was a, a year long round thing with the, uh, the Eurovision. <laughs> so, uh, um, so you mentioned already in the intro that you've been involved in the CHL. Uh, how did that come about? Uh, so that was when I was um, basically freelancing stuff as well for the song contests. Um, I wanted to do more hockey things and I happened to come into contact. Really was a bit weird how we got into contact um, with this company then that does the, the web and social media contract for the CHL. And they needed native English speakers because that all has to be done in English. And in Europe, you don't find so many native English speakers that know about hockey for a start. Um, if they're from the UK and if you have find Canadians or Americans they often don't really have any idea about European hockey because uh, they mainly follow the NHL so it was um, a little bit lucky but really good and uh, I learned an awful I'm still learning a lot from that but especially in the beginning then making a transition from entertainment even though Eurovision is kind of a sport 
going into hockey, which is then, you know, full on sports and a league and how you deal with stuff. Because when you're a league, there's only so much you can do. You know, you don't have access to the players all the time. And especially when it's CHL and you have the players across all the different teams. So that, that's it was been really good uh, learning point and really great experience doing that and doing these finals in different places and just seeing actually that there's a lot more hockey in Europe than people are aware of. And I think that's maybe one of the best things that's come from the CHL because in the UK we tend to look way more at the NHL and maybe the AHL and things. But for people to really realise just how good European hockey is, like Sweden, Czech Republic, Finland and other countries, I think it's been really positive. Oh, great. And what's been your highlight of your involvement in the CHL? Um, there was the weekend, this was two seasons ago, where I, uh, I was there in Nottingham when they beat Burn. And I, so I did go to university in Nottingham and I occasionally would go to a couple of Panthers games, but I did more to help the, the third level team there. But um, I don't remember hearing a building in the UK that loud than when the Panthers scored the empty net goal against Burn. Because to beat Burn was, this is almost ridiculous. Uh, like especially having seen both teams walk, like Burn came in, did their morning skate that morning and were really going for it. And when you look at who was in that team, Janoni was in goal and all this, it was crazy. And then the following day went down to Cardiff and they beat Davos in overtime. And just to have two teams from the Elite League beating Swiss opposition in the Champions League on the same weekend was that was pretty incredible. Like some of the finals, the one in Gothenburg last year was great and other things like that but from a kind of more of a selfish point of view and thinking of us like that was unreal and to be at both of those games was pretty special I suppose you mentioned about and seeing um, the, the British market as it were knowing how good the European game is um, and I suppose you know with free sport obviously covering or Premier Sport as well covering the SHL and, and the KH along with the CHL it's, it's like it kind of opened that market of that the European game but had probably the Late night is early night is a, a reputation of not being as good and, and very soft. It's completely destroyed that reputation. Yeah, I mean, we definitely still play the different style. And I think some countries do struggle coming in, playing to the style that, that, that our teams do. I think especially the Czech teams seem to really have struggled with that. And when you look at Mountfield, who've been beaten in the UK twice, Liberets lost as well in Belfast. I think they've won one in Cardiff. But there are just some times where you match up better against one kind of style over another. And we seem to find it with the Czech teams, especially. Um, but uh, I think it's doing really good stuff for the, for the reputation of the league. Like if you now go and search Belfast giants or Cardiff or Nottingham or even Sheffield and Glasgow have been in it on YouTube, you get Belfast beating Liberette or that game they lost in overtime to Augsburg, or you get Cardiff beating Davos and Backshow and Clan beating Ingolstadt. Like that's so much better if you're a prospective player to see these things as well than, than just uh, only seeing action from our own league. No, so uh, you mentioned uh, the intro. It, um, it's kind of come full circle and you're back working uh, in, in the British League. So, as I mentioned, the media manager. So, and kind of at the same time there's been a number of changes with the league and how it does things and and how it promotes itself so kind of a couple of questions is, is how's it been working with the owners uh, in that respect but also how's it work, been working with the, the director of hockey operations Mike Hicks um I'll start with Mike Hicks because I think like because I hadn't really I'll be quite honest I hadn't really watched a lot of uh, the elite league especially I mean domestic games when I was doing things uh, for CHL so um I don't really remember him being a referee, which was maybe a good thing. I don't know. 
But um, like what I do remember is that he was a really big part of the organizing committee in Copenhagen at the World Championships. And so when it comes to doing things like playoff finals weekend and stuff, uh, he's really good. Um, and I think that's something that league benefits from is that we've got now he and, and me as well that have gone and done other things and are coming back rather than just doing sort of knowing the UK hockey market and, and trying to build on it. Uh, so uh, working with him is great. And actually more so than with the, uh, the department of player safety people like Lyle, um, Sykes, he came over before Christmas and honestly, just sitting in a car with him for an hour driving from the airport to go to uh, one of the meetings just blew my mind. Like when you listen to these people talk that have refereed in the NHL and have these positions within leagues and where they see things developing and what they're looking for, it's you just don't realize how much goes on, actually, in that sense. Um, and with the owners, it's been pretty good. I mean... I think it's fair to say that this was the first time that this role that I have has now been made a full-time role. And so there has been a little bit of carte blanche almost to, to do certain things and um, bring things forward. And I've made proposals there. And most of the time, if I say, right, I think we should do this and, and this is what I'm going to then need from the teams to support, or we need to set this up, then it's pretty good. And I'm sure eventually there will come times when I say something and people will go, well, actually, no, because this, that, and the other. But but so far, it's been pretty positive. No, that's great. And and have you your experiences in the CHL and, and what they've done to deliver the market to the fans online who are you know follow around Europe? Have you used some of them to to bring into to the elite league? Yeah, sure. Like as I said before, like I, I really did learn a lot from from doing that, and still do because um, some of the people I was working with then you know, are doing things like social media for the Czech national team and stuff like that. So uh, it's really good to see how then they approach their channels and learn from that. Um, but one of the main things that I really wanted to do for this season, which I found very bizarre last season, was that we didn't have any of our own game action on the league channels. So, for example, in the CHL, the, CA, the game highlights are on the CHL's channels. Uh, and then teams can take them from there. And uh, in our league, it was that the teams had them and, and some of them were sponsored and, and so forth. But it, it just occurred to me that the only way you promote the Elite League on the Elite League's channels is to have the Elite League. Like, we have to have hockey on our channels. And so doing these goal recaps was really something I wanted to do. And we had to do um, quite a lot of work in the summer to set up to make sure we've got the feeds of everything and uh, then make sure we're able to cut these things and do it as you know, quick. I was originally thinking maybe we would have it online by 10 the next morning, but as it's got closer, I was realized, okay, we can probably just push these out on the night and things like that. So that's, um, that was one of the really big things I wanted to do that I think uh, fans would notice the most. No, fans, that has been some, one of the things when you talk to different fans, it's, oh, you've seen the goals and it's literally that same night. So you're not just talking about the result, it's the goals as well. Um, so one of the things that's happened this year, um, the big kind of change in that was, was the, the You Can Play Pride weekend um, that was at the end of January. Um, just, kind of just a question of how what it took to put everything all together and, and getting all the relevant stakeholders on board to go, right, we're going to do this and, and let's go with it. Um. Well, it was quite easy, really. We, we proposed it at the summer board meeting. And as uh, I think I said in a couple of other uh, things around the Pride weekend, like we didn't vote. No one said, well, we need to vote on this. Everyone said, no, let's do this. This is definitely something uh, we should be doing. Um, 
And then in our uh, media day, or we have a workshop with the team, like media managers, um, which was also for the first time. It's something I wanted to do. We had it in August. Uh, we talked a bit about how what this might involve. And we had some support from You Can Play Project as well, which was really good. And especially for me, it was useful to know where I need to start going to the teams. Um, but I mean, because it was the first year, I didn't really want to put a lot of pressure on teams that you must do this, that and the other. And that was a lot of the decision that we didn't partner up, for example, with Stonewall and do like a nationwide partnership. And you've got to do this, that and the other. We wanted everyone to go and make their own local connections because yeah, it just means a lot more in your communities if you do it with a, a local partner, yeah. I think. Um, but it was really good. Uh, the closer we got, the more people started asking questions about, right, have we got this or what about that uh, and these sorts of things. But it, it was really, really good. And um, we uh, were able to do the press conference up in Glasgow to get all three Scottish teams together, get BBC Scotland, get STV in one room and some other journalists as well, and have everyone together and do a proper event. And then we did something similar down in Cardiff with uh, BBC Wales, ITV Wales, and uh, the Welsh Channel S4C as well. So um, I, I thought it was overwhelmingly positive, really, the Pride weekend. I thought, actually, the teams bought into it, which was good because you always need that. You need it to be top-down. You need everyone to be on that. But the fans bought into it almost more than I could have imagined. Like I was pretty confident that everyone was really going to get behind this, but you never know until it actually happens. And there's always that lingering doubt. What if this doesn't go the way you hope it goes, but it, it was so good. Oh, so that was kind of the next question. Did you expect it to be as, as bought in and, and being the kind of the party stroke celebration that you're looking at the photos from different games and in the different rinks that it became? You hope so. You, you really hope so. And that's also why I want to do the competition online because and make people post photos because you want to see it. You don't just want this to be something a few people talk about. You really want to see how much everyone's taking part. But yeah, I hope so. And I remember even at GB Games in the past couple of years, you've seen people with like pride flags and other sort of merchandise on. And you, I had the feeling that, yeah, this is going to be this is going to be really good. And um, yeah, it was in the end. I think you, I, I'm never that confident to assume something and shout about it before it happens. But so I was happy when it did. Nah, and uh, no, and it was a good weekend. Uh, I think everyone brought, brought into it, like you said, I mentioned and, and, and gave the message um, that it is literally for everybody. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm assuming that uh, plans are being in place for next year for another weekend. Yep, let's. Uh, we still have to discuss some things, obviously, in the summer, but this hopefully it, it's just the start of doing not just with Pride Weekend, but sort of a collection of more things throughout the season. No, I agree. And, and kind of the last question, and again, we are putting, not putting pressure on, on specifics, but what's the future hold and what other plans are in place to even develop more the, the Elite League online and also within the, the league? Well, I mean, we have to get through this season first, <laughs> a little bit. But um, no, I think what, what's really important is we have to kind of try and get everyone doing the same sort of things. And that is a little bit difficult because you have some teams that are employing full-time staff to take care of their media and their social media things. And you have other teams where it's bits of people's jobs or not even a full-time job. So I think actually what I want to do um, when we have our next uh, get together with, with the media and social media managers is do a lot more ideas sharing because we actually, across 10 teams, I think everyone is facing the same sort of problems 
or having thinking about the same sort of things. And I think what hasn't really happened uh, before is that teams sort of don't really talk to each other about how they've got around them or really good ideas they've had. So if, if Coventry have had an idea that got them a load of extra ticket sales for one game, we'll share it with everyone else because that's only going to make the league stronger together. Um, so, so there's that. Um, certainly I want to do more stuff where we can get teams physically together. Um, so we did do the press conference in Scotland. That's something I would like to do, not just for a Pride weekend, but uh, other um, uh, opportunities uh, when it's relevant as well. And then look at what we can do in the, uh, in England, uh, especially because some of the teams, they're not that far from each other. And actually you find that a lot of newspapers are owned by the same organization or BBC regions will collaborate with each other one way or the other. So if we can get people actually physically there in front of journalists, it, it's a lot better than basically sending out a slightly boring press release or a couple of tweets and it, it kind of brings it alive more. So hopefully we can do some of those. And, and obviously with the online stuff, um, I need to make a few proposals uh, to one of the board meetings soon uh, to get their approval on stuff. So hopefully we can we can have more uh, more video things in next season. Yeah, well, uh, I wish you the best of luck uh, going forward. So, Luke, thank you very much for your time. Um, and I hope, well, I'm, I'm pretty confident that the listeners will be as interested because some of the stuff I was very interested in just listening in and the insight in that side of the game. So thank you very much. No problem, anytime. So just going back in from the interview with Luke Fisher, um, a big thank you to him for taking some time out to speak to Dave and, and give us another interview. Um, another good perspective to get it from, was we, Dave, you said when we went into the Dean Woolley interview, like your, your, call, your kind of intro into the interview was you often see the players and the coaches and, and that kind of thing on a lot of these type of interviews. So to get kind of the guy behind the media side of things, you know, and a bit, a bit more of an inside view as to as to how that side of things works, it was it was an interesting insight. It were, and, and for myself, it was also good to speak to someone who also worked in the CHL. Um, apparently, I like to sing. Um, so no, it was great interview. I thought you said you like to sing. I was going to say there's your Eurovision link as well, but you've heard me sing, Joe, and no, I can't. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll avoid that. And, and in fairness, Andy and Griffith heard me sing. You just don't want to hear that. I would be getting no poor. <laughs> but I'm comfortable with that. I know I know my limitations. Um, but no, great I'm, I'm going to confidence boost, mate. I'm going to say hashtag you can sing. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, but uh, no, Luke, thank you very much. Um, the, other, the other interviews we've got, um, I think, are as, as good. And uh, we'll roll on next week so that we drop. No spoilers. You're going to have to decipher it from our... Um, mind-boggling blurred photos mainly because I, I couldn't find anything else to be able to distort the photos in any other way um, yeah no as I say um, a big thanks big big, big 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 thanks to Luke apologies the dog has just sat on the TV remote and turned mute off the TV um, <laughs> um, yeah no big thanks to Luke for that um you know, it, it's nice for us to be able to get a few more interviews. Obviously, in the past, we've you know we've had Aaron Murphy, and then obviously last week we had um, Dean Woolley, and obviously we've got a couple more. Um, it's nice to get a few more interviews, gents. I think I think it's, it's certainly a direction that we want to carry on going in. Um, but for the time being, I think I mean the last thing that we've got on the agenda really for this week, um, we've put out for the first time on social media in a while. We put out asking for questions. 
Um, Dave, we, we've had a, we've had a few this week. We have indeed. Uh, so we'll go with one from Craig Day, um, one of the regular listeners. Thank you very much. He asks the panel who have been our top player of the Elite League so far to date, the most underrated player that we expected and has overachieved, and the most disappointing. I'll let you guys jump in. Sorry, Graph. Sorry, I was going to say most disappointing. I probably maybe Martin Sapier. Just for the CV he had, and he played what, five games for you guys this season and didn't really do much. You got a very different route to where I would have gone there. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing in Liam Redox. Yeah, I'd go that route as well. That's mine as well. Yeah, that, that'd be a good shout. Uh, uh, no, don't backtrack now, Griff. You've got to stick with St. Pierre. Now you said that. I am sticking with St. Pierre. You stick with Mr. Thousand Games. Who He recently just played his 1,000th pro game for Slava and Bratislava. Fair play. Did he score? I'm not sure. Yeah, you only get half the info here, Dave. I, I just saw a photo with St. Pierre and, and I'm, I'm assuming the president of Slava and Bratislava. He could be some, some random guy off the street, but with a shirt that said St. Pierre and 1,000. Um, a bit like Happy Gilmore, he was actually seen when he pulled up into the car park. Yeah, um, I, I'll throw a couple more in there um, just to see what you guys think. We can I'll tell you what we can, we can have a discussion. We can come up with a podcast like underachieving, underachieving player. As, as in, in that, that, hold on, that's that's really not a good accolade, but you get what I mean. We can come yeah, up yeah. with a player that we think has underachieved this year. Obviously, we've got Redox. I, I agree with St. Pierre, to, to be fair. Um, one that Craig actually threw in the mix and one that I agree with uh, was Kieran Long. And also on a front of how many points was put up last year in comparison to this, I've got to throw Ben Lake in the mix as well. Yeah. I think there'd be uh, I think there'd be players who'd expect better seasons. Definitely. Mm. Um the last player that I would throw in I mean to be fair, I said Ben Lake and Kieran Long would do considerably worse at Belfast. I said that at the start of the season. I said they were going from teams with not a lot of scoring ability and not a lot of depth. They were the go to players on their, their prospective teams last year and then this year they've gone to a team with a lot of strength. So to be fair, one of those situations of getting caught under, you know, more skilled players. Um, the last player I'd throw in the mix would be Massey Mariamaki, which seems a bit of a strange one to throw in until you look at his pedigree and see the number of games that he's played in in, in leagues like the Liga, um, things like that. Yes, he wasn't a high point scorer in the Liga, but I just don't think he's had the impact that he probably should have done in Cardiff. Um, few penalty issues. It was a stupid hit to make on Goodwin. Yes, there was no penalty from it. He obviously got done for slew footing earlier on in the season. I just, I just don't think he's been the player that you'd expect. He's a big guy. He's got a lot of experience. And I just don't think he's brought as much to that team as you'd expect him to. I've got just one as well. Oh, so go on, Andy. Sorry. Um, Mark Louis. Put well, games. games and just two points. I, I'd expect a, a lot more than that from him. But then Mark Louis doesn't. That's not his game, is it? Still two points in thirty-nine. Yeah, see, I, I was on this. I was on the same kind of mix with 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 you, Andy. I kind of that was the reason that I didn't say him was for kind of the reason that Dave Dave was like alluding to there. But 
you've I, got Gleason Fonia as defenseman scoring all the points, you don't need to do it yourself, do you? Because he's just going to pick up 100,000 points a season. As Fournier does. The thing is, though, he's not the type of player that you expect to put up 30 points, but no. you'd expect him to put up more than two. Yeah. Yeah. I think that. I think that's I'd agree the... with that aspect, yeah. Uh, but I... From the the argument that Andy's putting up in stats packet, it's not one I would go for. But, you know, yeah. We've got a fair few selections on that on that one. Yeah, probably uh, put in Paddy Wonka as well. Yeah. yeah. I was going to, yeah. Mm, yeah. So who are we, who are we thinking, if we had to put... If we had to play, if we had to pick one player, I suspect I know who we're going to end up saying. Oh, Red Ox, hundred percent. Coming straight yeah. from the SHL. Well, yeah, and Red Ox for me yeah, as well. Yeah. Ref, you happy with with that being Red Ox? Yeah, go for it. There we go, going, going, gone. So, even Matt Hayward has more points than him. <laughs> I mean, in a good way, but you know, oh, well, Matt didn't really come across that, did it? No. No, no, I didn't. I can see another hypothetical. One of South Yorkshire's finest. Yeah. It's, it's just surprising that. Because you, you think someone has come straight from the SHL, played many seasons for, for Vasho, and to get, what, 11 points? Something like that. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, you wouldn't do too badly in, in the SHL. 15 he, points, he sorry. picked up a fair few points of Vex show, yeah. A massive contrast to to seeing Belfast. You'd, you'd think he'd be one of the top scorers, wouldn't you? But... Oh, at least up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, certainly up there. I was going to say, he's, he's put up 121 points in 186 AHL, 26 in 70 ECHL, so not great there. But um, 24 in 100 NHL and 150 in 386 SHL. So his points per game in the SHL was 0.39, um, and his points in the ECHL are 0.37. So he's actually put up a less points per game average in the Elite League. Oh, sorry, no, so I looked at ECHL then. 0.44 in the EIHL, so it's only just more. Just, just, just disappointing. So, um. What's the next category we've got? We've got disappointing. What's 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 the other categories? So we'll go. Well, so we'll go with the the most underrated. Is that underrated going into the season? As in you you he's overachieved what you'd expect. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, and uh, I, I've got I've got two. I I put straight up. Um, Tanner Eberle. He's goal scoring. I don't think anybody expected him to be as prolific as he has been this season for him especially after last year. Um, he's been a lot quicker this year. Yeah, he's, he, he looks like he's worked during the summer. Um, and on a similar vein, although we, we saw strands of the potential, but certainly not as well as he has done so far this year, Luke Ferrara. Yep. That my pick as well. Nicked two of mine. Yep. Yeah, Luke Ferrara would be one of mine as well. Um... I've got one. I had three players written down for this. I've got one more player to add into the mix. Slightly different angle, um, but a player that was brought in mid-season that people certainly didn't seem to take too happily to. 
Uh, and actually, in my mind, is the player that's turned around the season for the Nottingham Panthers. Um, Jake Hansen, to be fair, came in. Yes, he had a decent run in Coventry over 23 games, but if my memory serves me right, you know, people weren't singing his praises when he came over to the Elite League, when he came back over to the Elite League for Nottingham. Uh, but he's made a huge, huge difference since he's, since he's joined Nottingham's roster. 37 points, 34 games. Um, certainly not the kind of result we expected, I don't think. I mean, before he went back to Sweden, you could probably put Palmberg on there. Yeah, yeah. Let's, put him, let's, put, let's put him on the roster, as in the, the, uh, the first cut. Definitely. I may have one more in there as well, and that is uh, Yanni Larkinen. 37 games, 42 points. For a 37-year-old as well. See, there's one reason that I would not add him to the list, is that he was one of my players to watch on the Coventry roster oh, at the start of the season. Um, but to be fair, on the same lines, I didn't, when I said that, didn't necessarily think the points out, like the points like output that he's put up this year. So I, at the same time, yeah, I agree with you on that, but he was one of my players to watch. That is. But as I say, I, I wasn't by any means expecting him to put up the points that he's put up. We got any more to add him? I don't think we have. Uh, no. I can't think of anybody else really. Um, I think so Mark, have... Mark Matheson's had a better season than he had last year, but I wouldn't put him on that same line because, to be fair, his first season in Sheffield was very good. See, I, I've not put him on the underrated one. You put him on the top player. I then. have put him on the top one, and I'll explain when we get to that one. Um, yeah. But if we're going to pick one, gents, who are we going to put our colours to the mass on? Which one? Ferrara for me. I have to yeah. go Ferrara, just just for how many points? Ferrara. I'm happy. I'm. I'm the same. Look, in fairness, toss a coin for me. Ferrara, Ebele. Either way, I. I good picks in that category, but happy to go with the Ferrara. That have a banana. Have a Ferrara. Sorry. Jump, on, <laughs> jump on the GB bandwagon. So then we have the the top player, the one that stood out, the cream of the crop. Let's hear your names then, gents. Sam Hare's got to be one. Yep, that's what I've got him down. In fairness, I've also had Ferrara on this list as well, because I think as much as it's overachieved, I think it's worthy of the bracket of top player um, of the season so far. I think there'll be players who may be above me in terms of who you pick first, but I think he certainly is of a shout of that description. We, we as a podcast tip our hat to the, uh, to the honourable mention, mate, so there's nothing wrong with, uh, with adding him to that list, if, if not just as an honourable mention. It's not, it's not love I've done it before, is it? Um, Very true. I, I've got three others. Uh, there's a fourth I mentioned, but he didn't stay long enough. But he would have definitely been there. Um, Matheson, as I mentioned, I think he's. Was it, was it Jason DeSantis? Do you know it wasn't Jason DeSantis? Um, <laughs> can I just can we just I, put I Jason DeSantis I, just given as the absolute beauty of a PR release? I, I don't want him on the list. I'm not happier talking about it. We move on to the next player. The end. end of yeah. um, <laughs> um, so Matheson, a bit of a renaissance 
new new club freshening up, and he's got the points to back it. He's been very influential in some in their form recently, not just defensively but offensively. Um, I also think coach again as well. Assistant coach as well, so the pressure there. I've got Dow of uh, Dundee. Mm. I think uh, as a, a good mention, he's uh, you know done the business up there. Um, well, you said Dowd then. I was going to say that's a bit of a uh, weird one. No, no, Dow. Honourable mention to throwing your shoulder out on the boards. Yeah. Um, I, I think from a defensive aspect as well. A bit harsh, actually. Yeah. You'd, uh, you'd be mad in my eyes not to include Marek Tronsinski. Yep. Um, and I would say if he did be staying here longer, you'd be definitely adding Kukrin to that list. But Tronsinski, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, has been one of the standout players for Sheffield. Point per game, 38 and 38. Most points he's ever got in his career. Um, and actually 38 penalty minutes as well. That's really yeah. quite weird. Uh, and he, 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 we've mentioned it numerous times, he's changed the dynamics of that defensive core, along with Kuka. Uh, so, definitely... Plus minus a plus 21. It's ridiculous, isn't it? So, he's, for me, on that list. Uh, gents, do you have anybody else? Uh, let me have a look. I do. I have Kevin Dufour of Dundee. It's a good shout. Uh, 40 points in 43. I think he's really stepped up for them. Um, two, two more Sheffield players in uh, Nikola Lemchikov. Uh, 38, 38 points in 44 games. And another Sheffielder, my Sheffield Bay, Marco Valarand. Uh, 47-35. Before we carry on, is this just a, a confession that you have Bays in every port? Because what's that now? Sheffield, Fife, Prague. Uh, is there anything else you want to... Uh, I've not got a Prague group? Bay. You said the one on the back of your shirt. Your own words. He's he's my overseas bay. Your own well, he's words. Best, he's with Tapper now, so probably yours as well. No. Everybody, you oh. love a good Tapper player. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but if we're talking a, a, overseas bay, surely Luca Conti has to get an honourable mention. Oh yes. Without a oh, shadow of yeah. a doubt. Um, I've got so, a couple to throw into the mix. Top players. Um, I, I like this player. I wanted to sign him in Sheffield at the start of the season. He went back to Belfast, um, but he's not necessarily up there as much in terms of points. But I do think Jordan Smallman's still got to be worth a shout in on that. I think he's just a what am I? quality player. Yeah, I'd happily see him in uh, in an orange jersey. Yeah, yeah, as would I. Um, I've also got one more. He's a bit more out of the box. Um, Jonathan Phillips. Mm. Strong. I just, I, I just think, I mean, I think for a start, he's the best penalty killer in the league. 100%. Um, I mean, I've never seen a player create so many breakaway chances on a five-on-four and a five-on-three PK. But his speed is just to break up that cross D pass. He's just insane. But then, just, just generically, I mean, he's the go-to guy when we're down in a game. He, he, you know, he's he's literally the real life Benjamin Button. I'm gonna say the the, the Benjamin Button. Uh, I definitely from a mix, and just because it's reminded, I'll ask as a question, not as I'd throw in, but for his form this season, would you go J Phillips to D Phillips and David Phillips? You could throw David Phillips in there. I, I think we're kind of possibly crossing into the spectrum of maybe throwing too many Steelers players into the mix on this one, but we do see them more week in, week out. But I do think Davey has had a good season this year. Definitely, for me, is his career best. Griff, have you got any other players that you'd add to the uh, the mix? Raymond Gray. I, 
No, no I, I, do have, I do have three players. One of them Matt is Jean. a farm player, and it is Matt Jin. No, no I'm sorry, no. Throw him out of the way. Right, no, right now, till he wins an Oscar, throw him off that list. Minus the theatrical stuff, he's actually he's doing well for us. He's the been on the of the game. week several times. Why did he throw his toys out the prime against Belfast? I have no idea. He properly had a hissy fit on one of their goals, though. I was Which too busy. There looked to be nothing wrong. I was too busy laughing at Dave with his, uh, what was it, his cabbage and his kebab. Yes. But to be fair, he... at least the kebab was real, unlike his his adopted drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, obviously, I'd go with Matt Jin, and I'd go with two players that you've already mentioned in Lemtigov and also Smotherman. I mean, maybe adding Ben's Bay in Brendan Connolly. Oh, God, no. <sighs> <laughs> And all, in fairness, we mentioned him tonight. Just but, his radio again. In, in, that, in the highlights, but um, Kevin Carr. Yeah. Yeah, to, uh, to be fair, I could also throw Kevin Carr in as, as the um, kind of underrated in there. I don't think... I mean, to be fair, his, his CV wasn't too bad, but particularly with the way he started as well, I don't think anybody expected him to be as so as strong. he has been, yeah. yeah. So we, I think... I mean, and Joe, have you got any others to add? No, I have thrown in Smotherman and thrown in Phillips. I think they're the only the only other two that I'd throw in there. So I've got a massive question for Stafford. Oh. Danny Gordier. Where's the goat? Where's the goat? Joey uh... Martin. Like we've just got to add Joey Martin just because he's add Joey Martin to the list. Just like it's like it's like the top plays of the week. We're just throwing him in as a token Joey Martin mention. Well, with with Gortier, I mean. Yeah, he's, he's eighth in the list, but it's not by far his best season, I think. Uh, you look at 17-18, 36 games and 52 points. And then last season, he had 32 games and 35 points. So I think you'd sort of expect him to be at that sort of uh, points level anyway. So, yeah. I've got him further down than eighth in the list. He's eighth from the top scorers. I see the romance has died oh, off with. Goals. Yeah. Well, well, top point scorers. He's not eighth on top point scorers. Well, he is according to uh, flash scores. Could be wrong. Never know. He's sixteenth. Looking on the Elite yeah. League website. Well, he's eighth on Elite that, prospects, that so. might take it. That might take into account Challenge Cup as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, she probably does. Possibly, yeah. yeah. So okay, so you're done, Graf. You you're done. So. Throughout the list, we've got to pick one. So, just a reminder, Trotsky, I've got it on, on the order of I've wrote them down, Mar- uh, Matheson, Dow, Ferrara, Honorable Mention, Her, Defoe, Lentigov, Valorant, Smotherman, Jonathan Phillips, Matt Jin, Kevin Carr, and, of course, the GOAT, Joe Martin. Gents, pick. Right, I've got to say, close second for me is Trotsky, just for the fact that he's coming late. And he's a D-man that's putting up a point per game with a sound plus-minus. Um, however, it's got to be Sam Hur for me. Clutch agree player. Agreed. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. Right? Yeah, Sam Hur, Trotsinski, Joe Martin. In that order. Because you've got to mention Joe Martin. 
<laughs> Brilliant. Andy, do you agree with that? I agree, yeah. So there you go. So just to wrap that up, our top player, Sam Hare, um, underrated, Luke Ferrara. And the one that's disappointed to be the panel, Liam Redox. But there's plenty of time left for him to uh, improve, shall we say. So thanks, Greg, for that question. So the next question uh, from Jack Dale. Thank you very much. Kind of um, worms. Open. Let, let me re- rephrase this one slightly. Uh, what are your views on the ridiculous commentary that some individual from Belfast posted about fighting in hockey? Um, so this is in relation to Stephen Nolan, um, his radio show initially, uh, discussing that fighting in ice hockey and questioning why it's not a criminal offence, uh, in particular that the game that he mentioned it, that the PSNI uh, which is the local um, police in Northern Ireland, was the sponsors. Um, and then it brought um, to his TV show, um, which he then had an expert, someone who actually knew what they were talking about, unlike himself, um, and he completely just talked over her. Um, so, gents, let's try and uh, do this. Have you heard the interview? How, what do you think to to his angle? Is he talking rubbish, yes or no? I listened to the first two minutes and turned it off. He's an idiot. Um, when you start a conversation by going, when is it acceptable to start throwing punches in hockey nowadays? Well, to be fair, in comparison to the past, fights in hockey are now few and far between. So what are we comparing to when we say, why is it acceptable nowadays? As if to suggest it wasn't acceptable in the past. Um, I could take a step back for a start and appreciate the irony of the sponsor of that game. <laughs> I think that is quite amusing. But I just, I, it's just daft. Ho- fighting's always been a part of hockey. Fighting's a considerably smaller part in hockey now. Um, as we say, happily seeing a few more fights this season. I don't necessarily disagree with the argument of how is it not a criminal offence. That that side of things, in terms of if you look at the logistics, if you, it's it's an ongoing argument in terms in law when it comes to when it comes to sports law in terms of contact sports. The issue is they run off of a legal principle of when you step onto the ring or when you step into the ring, whatever it is, whether it's boxing, whether it's ice hockey, rugby, whatever it is, you're consenting to whatever could happen in that game. At a common law level, you can't consent to anything more than ABH. So pretty much anything more, anything that's going to result in more than a bruise, you can't consent to that. And there's a number of different scenarios in law. So people like people into sadomasochism, which is one of the key examples where things have gone a bit too far and people have ended up with big cuts, brandings and things like that as a result of that. And that's ended up being punished at law because you can't consent to it. So that's kind of the point where there's a bit of a gray area in law. But at the same time, I don't, I just don't see the issue. I just don't see why kick it up as a force. That that's the basically the whole reason why the league are, you know, for want of a better word, pooing the pants at the fact that they're eventually going to get some big lawsuit come up to them because some players got CTE and concussion. That's the reason that they're in a, in a sticky situation. 
but I don't see why anybody else but the league should be taking exception to that or Dan Carcillo because we've seen him on Twitter and things like that I, I just think it's stupid and for a start if you're going to have a discussion have a discussion don't talk over the person that's proving you wrong how narrow-minded do you know what he looks like I genuinely when I was watching it he looks like a guy that just has an opinion and he doesn't even know if he supports that opinion. All he's really done, he's found himself a platform and shouted it as loud as he can. That sounds like so many people on social media. Um, but, yeah, I, that was the bit that, frust- not frustrated, but just kind of he lost his argument when you've got someone who studied for over 12 years um, in hockey violence, uh, Victoria Silverwood. Um, and on and just talk just so yeah, just took over it every time, and then it was kind of a. I've answered your point. Let me change the angle. I'll answer your point. I'll change the angle. It, it was clear that he didn't know what he was talking about. Where obviously Vic does, and it was just like you just lost your argument of oh well, I don't like fighting. Oh, I'm, I didn't like fighting when I was uh, the MC of the Belfast Giants when they first started. I got to snipe. I think any hockey fan that turns around and says I don't like fighting has lost their argument before they've even started. But but I I think what what he's done is I, I joke that mentioned mentioned it but it's a microcosm of hockey fans on social media but he's now put it on a he's done it on a different platform but it's kind of that let me say something you know unpopular opinion but it's like trying to get you know cause the stir for no reason there you go going with the whole any, any press is good press it's just, it's just stupid. But he also contradicted his argument by saying he doesn't mind the big hits. Why is that different to fighting? Which causes more concussion than punches. Well, exactly that. But at the same time, if you're turning around and saying that throwing a punch at somebody is assault, why is using your body to smash him into the plexi not assault? What, why, what line are we crossing over from it being a hit to being a punch that then he throws assault into the mix and throws the person getting arrested. I just don't get it. I think it's fair to say that his line in the sand is very much in the tundra regions. Um, but Andy, Greff? I basically just think he's an idiot and he should just leave talking about the sports people actually know the sport and not talk over them. We shouldn't be giving that person the, the time of day, really. It's, like, it's pretty much like a troll on social media. So from your perspective, then about 50-50. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 50-50 is your job. Hey. Oh, okay, that, that, that came back to bite me. Andy. Uh, what was his name again? Steve Nolan. Right. Two options for you. Go and watch Ice Guardians. Or go and commentate indoor balls. You weirdo. Next. Hang on a minute, no. Did that, it made Barstool. The guy who did the absolutely curved all lot show, like his cane, and got into a small hole and scored four points on crown game balls. Oh, wow. Now, that guy, that guy was all right. He did all right. But, yeah. Pick another sport, Andy, that, that Dave's not going to pick a hole in quick. <laughs> the window's um... closing. <laughs> like, the, like the deadline, airport shuts in, and gone. How about championship table tent? Uh, no. Championship pool, something like that. Yeah, we'll go with that. It's on free sports. We were on free sports watching last week, the Olympic qualifiers. <laughs> Zorb football. I mean, if there's any more sport that could croquet. be more like rapid, rapping yourself croquet, in Croquet, there we go. Go yeah, on, you've go done. take croquet, go on. 
There we go. That's got the Dave Grant seal of approval. No. <laughs> Literally, the seal of approval. That's a great Virgin Media reference as well. Just, just saying. I've not seen the advert. We have just no. killed the conversation, that's all. You're not, well you've not seen the Virgin Media seal of approval advert? I don't... I'd, quite possibly, it's not what, It's not in the forefront of my mind, oh, to be fair. Yeah. To be fair, the only adverts that I can quote off the top of my head are the ones that they put on Premiere, because there's only six of them that they repeat every time there's a, like, there's a break in play. <sighs> well, done, well done, Andy, for killing the conversation. And that's it, that's podcast done with now, thanks. both work for me, you don't even bloody know that one. I know it, I knew it! I don't oh, work for them. Not for that. <laughs> Even so, tell you the slogan of the company that I work for. So I I I think that answers the question to, to Jack. Um, so thank you very much. And the last question from Peter Bradbury. Hold on, answer the question for Jack in a sentence, just like Peter Bradbury's asked for. We know like you. Yeah. <laughs> no like from, the, from the school of the Panthers PR. Um, so yeah, Peter Bradbury has asked, and I think this would be an interesting one. If you had to explain to someone that hasn't watched the Elite League this season. How would you sum up the year so far in just one sentence? Watch the Elite League. <laughs> I, went, I went more of an instructional route. I don't actually know. Usual front running four, closer than a normal. There's been a lot of hashtag gates. Don't throw pegs. <laughs> a roller coaster ride that Orton Tower should invest in. There we go. Man, mine's going to have a slight ironicness to it. Um, exciting, unpredictable. Don't follow the sport on social media for your own health. Oh, yeah. What Greek myth was it? Was it Oedipus that blinded himself? I feel like that's what you want to do after you watch social media. Given that we got that question off social media as well. Um, so, but Dan, thanks, thanks Peter, um, and for everyone who has this season when we've asked for their questions, thank you very much. We have also apologised to those of you who we have missed because we have missed once in the past. Yeah, but they just didn't make the cut. Sorry, guys. Or girls. Fair play. Oh, it's me again. Um, it is, yes. Hi, Joe. I'm going to throw it back over to Dave because we've got predictions. Um, <laughs> Dave, you're writing these down, yeah? Yeah, apparently so. Sound. It's like I've picked up another job I've been asked for. I did ask you. Uh... I mean, it was more of a kind of... You're doing it now, deal with it. Coerced into Dave. You're writing these down, aren't you? Um, we've only got games on Saturday, Sunday this week, so we've not got any Wednesday or Tuesday or whatever day games to discuss. Um, so Saturday we've got Cardiff, Guildford in Cardiff. 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 Guildford. Cardiff. Uh, we've got Nottingham, Sheffield in Nottingham. 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 I think I'll turn around. I think Sheffield. I'm going to go Nottingham. 
Manchester Belfast in Manchester. You know what, Manchester. Manchester. Manchester, Manchester. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry guys, I- I'm saying Belfast. I'm saying Belfast as well. Sorry, Griff. You know. I'm not. What is it with people in the NHL where they just decided that they want to wear the stupidest suits going into a game? Sorry, I've got the... the <laughs> literally just, just showing some kind of like montage of players walking in. And Austin Matthews, I don't even know what he came dressed as. I know, next segment is Tom, my fan, Samboni. The fashion section. Joe, just, over to you. I just don't understand it. Why? Just why? <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. Um, Glasgow, Coventry in Glasgow. Coventry. Coventry. If Dave doesn't say this, he located now. <laughs> Coventry. Sorry. <laughs> Coventry. How's that let down? <laughs> yeah, Coventry. Uh, and then, last but not least, on Saturday, Dundee, Fife in Dundee. 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 Five. How'd it go, Dundee? Dave, you're gonna you're either gonna come out really poorly from this week or you're gonna have played a blinder. <laughs> um Sunday we've got Sheffield, Belfast in Sheffield. Ooh. Ah. Uh. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ooh, ooh, like that. Sheffield in overtime. Oi. <laughs> yeah, I'm going Sheffield. I'm going to go Sheffield as well. No overtime. No. Oh. Belfast. No. There may be a penalty shot in the game. Who knows? Could be. We'll probably miss. Uh, yeah. Coventry, Cardiff in Coventry. Oh. Uh... <laughs> yeah, Coventry. Coventry. I love these na- these noises. Ooh. Uh... <laughs> I'm going Cardiff. I'm you, Andrew. I'm going Coventry. Griff, can't leave you on your own, mate. I'm going Cardiff. Ah, thank you. The... Absolute epitome of Gress favourite game, Fife Manchester in Fife. Just make sure you remember which end of the ring. <laughs> uh, Fife. I'm not going to ask, um, but I agree with you, Gref. I think Manchester. Yeah, I also think Manchester. Uh, and final game of the week, Guildford Nottingham. In Guildford. Nottingham. Let's see which end of the spectrum you go on this one. Oh, for the <laughs> love of God. Hey. Guildford. I'm with you, Graf Guildford. I'm with you too, Guildford. Right. Dave, your favourite person's currently on TV, Mr. John Tavares. 
You've got to give me some kind of reaction other than a thumbs up. This is radio, Dave, not television. I can't give you a response. That without be... keeping it on PC. Exactly. <laughs> oh, we're still sour that you left. No, I'm not sour. I just have a, a statutory response. It's just like it's like a trigger point. It's like a trigger point. Every time you hear the word, the name, then a word gets said, and I just think it's. I don't want to besmirch the good name of my fans and bony podcast with uh, my thoughts on JT. It's the first time we've ever heard the word besmirch being used on the podcast. But fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Andy, it's it's the, it's the long-awaited segment. Uh, that is Stafford Stories. We're all absolutely on edge to know whether or not you're going to use something from the tournament that we've just been in. Take it away, mate. Stafford Stories. Well, many stories I could tell from the weekend just gone. but uh, many, many, one of, many of them you can't. <laughs> yeah. <But that's, laughs> I'm just getting into that. Uh, trying to make it PC. Uh, but just, just the funniest moment had to be all in the um, meeting room at the hotel, as we usually do every year, uh, watching the Steelers game. I get the feeling Dave's not going to come out looking very good on this one. <laughs> Possibly not. Armour on, ready to swing punches. Just a very crazy night that way, isn't it? Um, well, we were drinking Ouzo, so... Yeah, good point. Good point. But uh, someone decided to drink their phone instead. Uh, and yes, this is Mr. David Grant. Um, bless him. You know, I've looked absolutely shattered. He was he was um, falling asleep, and uh, I was trying to 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 drink his uh, his drink, but instead uh, picked up his phone and uh, tried to. Take a sip of the battery from that. So, to be fair, it still tastes better than Carlsberg. <laughs> that is true. Is it? That is true. It, yeah. it, so to to put the full story as exactly how it happened, I've eventually woke up. Uh, I'm long day at hockey, and the ouzo is not a good combination if you're tired. And I just grabbed the first thing that I thought was my pint, but then I lifted my arm up 45 degrees. No, didn't. No, you already had it in your hand. You already, you okay. you were you were asleep, and yes. I was I was looking directly at you because when you're asleep, you pull really funny faces, and so and so I was looking at you. People somehow. Well, I was looking at you and starting to laugh as you woke up, and you flipped the bird to me for laughing at you while you were asleep, and then proceeded to drink what you thought was your drink, but it was you'd fell asleep with your phone in your hand. And then you just tipped your phone up to your mouth and then tried to look round really subtly to see if anybody had noticed and saw me just staring straight at you. Did you think it was dark eye fruit? Dark eye fruit. The the response I was wanting to give, Joe, I couldn't repeat on this podcast. That is true, particularly when I had then announced it across the whole room. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, um, worst things have happened in Gateshead. Uh, a lot of hockey, um, a lot of team bonding through um, different uh, forms of alcohol. Uh, Apart from one person watching uh, casual take now. Not that we encourage alcohol. drinking. Um, Casualty. Terrible. Um, but uh, long day, and if I don't fall asleep, then people get worried that I hadn't fell asleep. 
This is Dave, who's fell asleep standing up in Pop World before. Exactly. Middle of a dance floor. Skills. Go hard or go home. Exactly. In that instance, should have probably gone home. (laughs) I thought the middle of the dance floor was home. Um, So, yeah. My my, my phone was... uh, Let me down because it weren't the cam. So, yeah. I have to say, shout out to Chris Griffin on the team as well for then getting you an app. Oh, he did, yeah. <laughs> to drink, to drink the, a pint. Like, yeah, have a pint now. Literally, the app on his phone. Oh, God. See, that's one person that you could never have any of his stories on. Seriously. No, yeah, that's true. That, that's you true. know, like, the Spirit Chitlers do the live ones where they go around and the House of Rugby do the live ones and the story's a bit more risque. I think his whole weekend would be on that segment. In fairness, yeah, yeah, a lot we, of our yeah, stories could, would be on that segment. Keep it PC. <laughs> so, um, if we ever do a, a live um, MF said podcast where it's all, no holds barred, I think that's when the stories will come out. I feel, um, like, we, I feel like we need a second edition to... Um, to this week's Stafford stories only instead of the second one being a Stafford story it's a story about Stafford I feel like it's I feel I, like it's, I, I think it's a, a good no, shout Joseph I feel no, like it's an F4 story where we need to get out where Dave needs to get his own back um, so I'll, I'll give the context don't worry hey, Staff it's, it's not you, so. it's not Milkgate it isn't Milkgate that's not what we're going to mention it's not what we're going to mention it's more of a story for Dave to get his own back like a player who can turn up to a hockey tournament and leave his hockey sticks in the porch at home. That is a good effort, that um, Andy. You did Thank well you. for getting your sticks. Thank you. And uh, some some people left their stuff in Gateshead, but luckily some some uh, kind of souls picked up and brought them back. But, so. Yeah, but the, but that's the nature of a patch of a uh, hoodie. You know, not like it sticks to important stuff. You know, stuff. you know, when you're in a patch of area where you're in tournaments and you leave stuff and stuff can be, you know, lost, but it was brought back. Unlike yourself, that didn't bring your sticks. Kind of a important part of your game that you need your stick. To be fair, probably the, probably the most obvious thing when you're walking out of the house to have in your hands when you're walking to go to a hockey tournament your sticks <laughs> I think that's the key thing that we're not, not not noticing here it's not a hoodie that could easily be in the bag or oh have I packed that no it's either I've got my sticks or I haven't got my sticks they don't, you don't just pack them away well at least I actually have my gear apart from my sticks fair I mean yeah fair play I mean I, I, I'm looking fine on both of these stories so I ain't bothered can I can I just say that I that story is now mine. that story is just in the uh, the archives of history. I have since been back to the scene of the crime and brought everything down with me, and I have witnesses. Oh, oh. So uh, Andrew, ten out of ten for trying. Thank you. To be fair, hold on. This is the pot calling the kettle a little bit here. Possibly. Let me just flash your mind back Andy, years ago at F4s when you turned up to the noose without your kit bag and had to go home to get your kit bag. Yeah, but you know, at least I had a chance to go home and get it. Fair point. Well, without realizing, without realizing in the city itself that I had left it at home. Did Did I not manage to get the equipment all sorted? It weren't mine, but did I not manage yes, to get all the did. equipment? So there, you know, I fair improvised. Play. You know, after, play, after, yeah. after yeah, having bro. the mother of all meltdowns, I improvised. Break you look really up, good James. in green. Just saying. I look great in green pads. It is. 
break it up. We're going to have to bring in Graham in a minute. For those of you who are wondering, <laughs> we do our own Jeremy Kyle sessions. Sometimes they result in punch ups. Stephen Nolan probably wouldn't approve. <laughs> However, just where we mentioned taxis here. Taxi, yeah. Taxi, yeah. Ben, have you got a bit? What we need to ask is Ben, has he got his toothbrush? And has he showered? (laughs) And is the taxi here? Honestly, the whole Saturday, every time I saw him, I'm going in the shower in a minute. Ben, you said that at nine o'clock. It's now three. (laughs) Quality. Absolute quality. Now, there's there's many stories from from the weekend just gone, um, and only a handful are able to be put on this podcast. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. However, before we spiral into complete madness, I suggest that that's the that's the point. We've already spiraled. I'm trying to salvage, Dave. Don't give me that look. There's no to salvage. You know, it's 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 happened. We just we just live and accept it. Fair play, fair play. So cashless systems in the read now. Put the lid back on the on the kind of worms there. It's fine. Um, but they want a packet of chips. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Think about the children. Um, no, before before we spiral any further, I think I think it's time to draw a line under this episode, um, you know, and uh, and move on, move on, Andy. Yeah. Quite like a joke, I couldn't give a damn. Oh, oh, would you like something else? Me to say something else? To be honest, mate, when somebody makes a joke, what you need to do is turn the other cheek. I've got nip on. Going to on something else. Oh, this is, you can you can tell this has gone it's just gone sour massively. Oh, just like the milk that I poured on Andy's head. <gasps> How dare he! I go and get back to chopping logs. And then it just went past his eyes. And it's gonna it's gonna be past your eyes. Otherwise it don't I know, work. but you just you know you didn't you know it's yeah whatever. I'll tell you spiral madness dumb. Yeah, sound right. So thanks for listening to another. <laughs> If you have any feedback on this episode and you're wondering why we are of a mud disposition, there are ways in which you can gain such us, isn't there, Joe? There are. Gref, tell us our social media. <laughs> I mean, it's normally your job, but okay. We're diversifying. I'll, I'll delegation, my friend. Oh. Delegation. So we are on Facebook. That is my fancy Zamboni podcast. Frantically trying to get it up on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually got Twitter up to be fair because that's the one I don't use the most. But on Twitter, we are at MFZ Podcast. Short and sweet. I like it. Fair play. Yeah. Um, feel free to ask us questions. Um, give us some feedback. Um, yeah. If don't we ask us. Again, just message us and we'll do it. Yeah, messages to messages to slap Andy, slap Gref, whatever. Slap. Slapping Gref might be a bit more of an issue. When are you next down in chef? <laughs> That'll be a while. Fair play. If you Not tweet really. us to slap Gref, we'll have to give you an IOU. But um, yeah, it'll happen eventually. <laughs> it was who was it that shot? Who was it that shot the ball that hit you in the head at the weekend? Sorry. I have no idea. Oh, I can't remember. Fair play. Anyway. Um, Gents, thank you very much. I think we'll draw a line under it and come to a close before we uh, make even less sense than we already are doing. So, Gref, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks to Stafford and to Dave and also to everyone listening. I mean, well played. 
for getting this far. Very true, very true. Stafford, thank you very much, sir. Thanks to us, Joe. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Gref. And again, thanks, everyone, for listening. Dave, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Joe. Uh, thank you, Gref. Thank you, Andy. And to the real MVPs of the people who listen and get this far, how do you do it? Let us know. Because I'm not even sure we know ourselves. But thank you for listening. Yeah, definitely echo that. Um, thank you to everybody for listening. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed it. We've got another couple of interviews over the next couple of weeks, as we've said, so keep an eye out for those. Um, and again, thanks for listening to another episode of My Fancy Zamboni. <laughs>